Welcome to Write for Joy. My name's Allie Cross. I'm a USA Today bestselling author and certified life coach. I have chased joy my whole life until one day I realized I already had it. I found my joy, and now my goal is to help you find yours. Joy is all around us, so let's see if we can grab some of it for ourselves today. I'm Allie Cross, and this is Write for Joy. Hey, everyone. I am so excited today to be joined by Abby Peterson. Abby is an aspiring author and word connoisseur from Northern Utah. She's a student at Utah State University working toward her bachelor's degree in creative writing and a minor in folklore. It's good to be here. Glad that you're here too. So I have several questions right off the bat. Why word connoisseur? My parents like to say that there's no time that I haven't been reading or writing or talking. I taught (laughs) myself to read when I was three and it just went from there. I started talking in full sentences at a year and a half. So it started and it just never stopped. I read the dictionary backwards when I was six because in my little head, forwards was too mainstream. Mm. Yeah, I was a pretentious kid. We just roll with it. All the family videos are quite entertaining. The Uh, word connoisseur is beginning is making so much more sense now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) A lot of writers will say they are wordsmiths, but you went to the next level with connoisseurs. But now I get it because I have not read the dictionary from start to finish, let alone back to finish. The circumstances were funny because as a first grader, they um, want you to check out books on your reading level, but they didn't really know what my reading level was so they only let me check out the dumb books and so I said you know what I'm gonna stick it to them and I'm gonna read the dictionary which in hindsight was a weird way to do that but it's okay it's a fun little tidbit and never have I ever questioned that nobody ever gets right that is super fun I do recall one very bored summer where my family had begun to collect the Encyclopedia Britannica because that was the internet of old. And I was so bored that I basically reproduced by hand. I didn't get through the first book, but I have all the aardvark and all these A words. (laughs) My very best handwriting, I was probably like seven or something. Um, but you just know that is supreme boredom right there. But still, hats off to you on the word connoisseur. When we recently met and you said you were studying folklore, how or why did you decide to include folklore in your creative writing degree? I just like people and how they work. And I love history. Nova Documentaries, my beloved, (laughs) is a huge disdain to me that they're behind a paywall. But one day when I'm rich, I will afford Nova programming. (laughs) I just love listening to stories about people and how they work and understanding how people feel and act and think. 
The creative writing degree in Utah State is a very short degree, which basically means that it's only about 30-ish credits long. And I need 120 of those to graduate. <laughs> Finding things to fill that gap was, is still an astronomical endeavor. It's a nightmare to figure out how to fit things in. But I loved history and I took a history class my first semester. And then I took anthropology classes last semester and I love it. And I was talking to my advisor and I said, my original plan was to get a bachelor's in physics. And then I said, just kidding, I'm going to be an English major. So I'm going to get a minor in physics. And then I realized that I'd have to learn calculus and that all went out the window. So we abandoned the physics and I was talking to my advisor and I said, I don't know what to choose because I could double minor. I could double major. I could do whatever I wanted. And she said, I've got this perfect thing for you. And she pulled up the folklore program, which is, I like to call it the trifecta between history and anthropology and creative writing. Yeah. So all of those classes fit together. And it was just for the moment, it's a really perfect bullseye for what I want to do because I yeah. just like those classes. And I think well, and they're great really fodder for your creative oh, minds. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, indicative in my stories, especially because what I write is usually about thinking and feeling and relationships with other people. Do you write young adults or adults? I do a little bit of both. Right now I'm doing new adult. Uh, it's not a super marketable category at the moment, but hopefully it'll get bigger as I keep going with it. Just as I've grown up, age groups have been like, why are we sending 16-year-olds to go sign up for a revolution? But now that I've become a college student, I've realized that if somebody paid me a bunch of money, I'd be like, yeah, you're going to fund my degree. I'll go fight somebody. And we'll go do that. Just, they aged with me as my characters. I love YA. It's really nostalgic for me. But I feel like you have to have content for all of the audiences. So, Are you currently writing contemporary or fantasy? Fantasy. I'm doing a fantasy adventure trilogy right now. So, but Yeah. Is your publishing plan? Um, Are you going to query and hope to go traditional route? And what's your kind of timeline? Yeah. So right now, that's the plan. Until I went to Storymakers, I had absolutely no idea how to write a query letter. Props to the lady who taught that class because she had changed my worldview. Adam Berg actually was in there too. And that was like a crazy moment because he stood up to ask a question. And I was like, that sounds like Adam Berg. And it was Adam Berg from Studio C, which is a show that I grew up watching. So I was like, this class just got so much better. But right now my plan is to attempt traditional publishing, see if they'll take me right now. I know a lot of good people to know by a series of miracles, quite literally. And with their help and with my hopeful optimism, we're going to give it a shot and see how it goes. And if not, I guess we can self-publish. But I really hate the marketing side, which in hindsight, I thought that was more of like a separate thing that people would have to do. When I was like 15, I was like, I'll just pay somebody to do it for me. That's fine. Mm -hmm. You can have some of my book royalties if that's something I don't have to deal with. Now I've realized it's, I'm going to have to deal with that, but I'd rather not do it all myself. 
So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like a good plan. I always think that the experience in querying and is so useful, whether or not it leads to a book deal. It's a oh, useful yeah. experience that benefits everyone. So I think that's a great place for you to start. Yeah. So, and I figure you'll never know unless you give it a shot. Yeah. It ha- why not give yourself the opportunity to make a choice mm-hmm. rather than just assuming that you only have one choice? Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. I support you on that. So we are here to talk about joy. Now, if you are watching the YouTube show, you can see that this girl never stops smiling. I was not at all surprised when she like zip hurried and signed up to be interviewed for this podcast because I have a feeling that she's got a lot to say about happiness and joy. Um, But first, I would like to know how you personally define joy? I think that's a really good question. For me, joy is a choice before anything else. Because you can be in any circumstance. It doesn't matter what circumstance you're in. You can insert anything in the box you want. But the one thing that you have choice over more than anything else is how you react to a situation. And I think joy might not always be productive in like a material sense, but as far as life experience goes, I think joy is the more productive, kinder, gentler option. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm fascinated. You have a lot more mature perspective than I might have expected. Yeah, I get that a lot. Uh, I totally agree that it is a choice whether mm -hmm. or not to be happy or to, because I think joy is less fleeting than happiness. Happiness comes and goes, but joy is a lasting state of mind wherein life happens and it's not always peaches and cream, but if we are generally making that choice to work toward the better, toward that aspect of happiness, it does create a life of joy. But that that perspective of choice isn't one we tend to talk about at all. <laughs> yeah. That is very intriguing. Thank you for that. And way to go being so wise. You. Of course, when I was your age, I probably would have thought that I was super wise too. It's just that now, like 30 years on, I can look back and go, no, she's got it going on. So good oh, job. Yeah. I've, I've got plenty of those moments. So <laughs> don't you worry. There will be plenty of face palm fodder in my hey. future. Life, what would life be without those? Because that's what keeps right. us humble. And keeps us learning, showing up to learn and grow. Tell me a little bit about your writing life. Because you are a full-time student, I imagine it's difficult to get in writing time. And when you do, especially writing time that isn't an assignment or something, or does it equal the same thing? 
And where do you find joy in your writing life? Hippie. So I've always been writing along with my writing. I was always reading, writing the go and hand. And I remember there was a moment in elementary school where I realized that people got paid to do this stuff. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh. And I hate to say it, but that epiphany came in one of those moments where I had been forced to read a book for um, a class. And I was like, this book sucks. If I wrote this book, I would do it differently this way. And I was talking to my mom, all the ways that I would rewrite this work of fiction. I don't remember what it was. And my mom said, people write books. And I was like, yeah. And she said, you could do it. Why don't you try? And I was flabbergasted because I was like, oh my gosh, this is a valid career pathway. I don't know where I thought that books came from before then but they just always appeared and also yay mom power oh yeah for sure it's been a rocky road but my mom and my dad have always been there for me and I'm grateful for that and then I went into junior high and I was the stereotypical gifted kid and I was in all of the accelerated programs and everything and I was really good at everything pretty much there wasn't anything that I really sucked at except for gym class I have a disability and that kind of comes with obviously you'd suck at gym class I knew very early on that I was not going to make my living by running the mile Um, (laughs) and that was something we had to persuade my fourth grade PE teacher of several times (laughs) but so I always had books right and I read a lot but during junior high I was like okay what do I want to do I've always been a future planner kind of gal. It comes with the anxiety territory. So I've been diagnosed with an anxiety disorder and in junior high that kind of runs rampant just because life happens. Junior high sucks. But the counselors were like, oh, maybe you should go into teaching. And I thought maybe I could be a programmer like my dad or a teacher like my mom or I liked physics and I liked math and I liked English. I just, I don't know. I was really good at everything. And I loved horses. I've always been a horse girl, always, all the time. And I told them I was going to go to Utah State to train horses. And they said, what are your other options? And then (laughs) I said, I want to write books. And they said, it's a nice idea. How about you be a teacher? And so from that moment on, it was a random Tuesday for my counselor, but it was like one of those Axe forgets tree remembers things where it was like a formative moment in my childhood. And I ran a couple of years on spite alone. He was like, I'm going to do this. They can't tell me I can't do it. But I always lived with the notion that I was going to be a physics teacher or whatever. And I got into high school and I really started writing like for realsies. And Nothing else felt right. And I find a lot of comfort and a lot of learning and growing in my religion as well. And so I prayed and nothing felt right except for going for an English degree. So I said, you know what? I guess we're going for an English degree. Worst that can happen, I changed my mind. So high school, I did a lot of my creative writing classes, but there's only really one option because English is the most neglected 
subject in high school a lot of the time. And so I took my one creative writing teacher's class twice over. The first semester, they did NaNoWriMo. And you would write 25,000 words of a novel that you spent September and October developing. And then through November, you'd write those words. And then in December and January, up to the end of the semester, we'd critique them. And I just remember being like, oh my gosh, this is my favorite thing. This is the best thing that's ever happened to me. And I love Mrs. Wybody. Angela, I love you. You're amazing. She went on to become my mentor and has gotten me into college, quite literally. But that's where it really kicked off. And then I just never stopped. I don't think there's nothing I've, that I've finished up until this first semester of college. I'd never gotten all the way to end of a first draft, mostly because I got distracted by plot bunnies, but we all know how that goes. So it's been an up and down and a kind of off the table kind of thing, but more recently in my life, it just feels like the right thing to pick up. And I have loved every second of it. So what about the writing or where in the writing do you find your joy? Because we all know that enthusiasm can only carry us so far. Um, what is it about writing that gets you showing up every day and gets you excited to be there? Or in, by every day, whatever is your writing schedule? Um, I think what brings me the most motivation and the most joy is knowing that I could have the same effect on somebody as it did for me. I have cerebral palsy in my legs, diplegic, and I did a lot of surgeries and a lot of physical therapy and casting and what have you. I was the cool disabled kid. This first year that my cousin broke her arm a couple of weeks ago was the very first time I'd signed a cast that wasn't my own. So that was weird. <laughs> but I grew up doing all of that. And my parents were amazing and worked really hard to get me the medical care that I needed. And a lot of kids my age were doing sports and doing art and music. And the only thing that I could really keep up with on a really consistent basis was reading ever since I was little. Because I couldn't go kick a ball, but I could sit down and read for hours. Yeah. And I didn't have to be me when I was reading. I could take my book anywhere, the hospital, whatever. And it was like a big comfort for me. Mm -hmm. And I learned about people different than me. And I went to so many places and I learned so many things. And I fell in love so many times with stories and just arcs of change, I think. And just knowing that my writing could maybe one day affect somebody like it affected me. That got me through my childhood. Writing has always gotten me through the hard parts of life. When I need an escape from something, I bring a book. When there's something I don't want to do, I read a book while I do it. Going to the gym, hate it. Hate it. Reading a book through listening to an audiobook while I unfortunately go to the gym for my stupid mental health. That's tolerable. <laughs> it has always been there for me. And if I can be there for somebody else, then I think that is when I know all has made it. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. I feel a lot the same. There's a lot of violence in my childhood and being able to go up to my room and close the door and escape, literally, mm -hmm. 
for all intents and purposes, I was somewhere else. It was not only safety and a place to belong, but it was probably one of the healthiest things I could have done during a lot of those troubled times. And when I first started writing, I thought I want to write something. This one series made me feel so much that I wanted to do that for someone else. Not out of pride. The pride certainly came later. We want to be the best at what we do, certainly our own best. And there has to be a measure of pride in that. But that giving back feels very familiar to me. And Mm -hmm. and I can see how that would bring you joy, knowing that you are writing truths that a reader will one day receive. And if they need that truth message, they'll receive it from you. And oh, yeah, for sure. What a gift to give to the world. I think mm-hmm. that's beautiful. It's like a calling in that case, even more yeah. than just a career you want to do. For sure. Kind of thing. And that's how I feel about it, too, is that I have things to say in the way that I want to say them that has never made me feel. I don't know. I've never gotten imposter syndrome where I've looked at somebody's book and said, oh, but they've already done this. Um, cause I think I've just been lucky and I had that very specific sense of individuality. And so even when people have been like, aren't you worried, but somebody's already done this, I can just say, you know what they have, I haven't done it. So it's not the same. And that I have something to say that will help someone else in the future long after I'm gone, that that is just awesome to me. You have such a healthy perspective. I'm just blown away. Like is trusting and knowing that no one else could tell this story the way you will tell it. A lot of us get hung up on those things and allow it to derail us for decades. Um, I'm not talking about myself. That you can see that and have that perspective now. It's just, it's impressive, Mm -hmm. amazing. Do you plan to write stories that feature heroes or heroines who have similar physical disabilities as you do? Yeah, I think so. I think my character creation process is super organic, as I like to call it, because I don't really know if there's a better word for that. They come to me and I might change things about their personality, but their physical aspects are always the same. My main character, one of my main characters of my novel right now, he's black. And somebody was like, oh, weren't you worried that people will yell at you for diversity points or whatever? And he's just always been black in my head. So that's how he is. I've never thought about changing people that way. And so I think eventually there will be a story where that is important to me to keep for sure it was so important for me to see people for who they were and not like what they looked like or what they did but who they were on the inside because I didn't really care about how they looked how they moved whatever in in stories I think that's an awesome part where it doesn't really matter that much but I think one day for sure there'll be something that comes out of me that comes from a very deep place 
um, disability and mental health awareness and just all of those things. Because I didn't grow up with that necessarily. I think the first books that I read that had a disabled main character is Leigh Bardugo's Six of Crows, which is my favorite series over and over and over. I never wanted to end. I just love it so much. But when I met Kaz on the page, Kaz Becker, he's a disabled main character who uses a cane and walks funny and is in pain a lot, which is something that as of the last couple of years I've had. I saw myself and to see it now on the big screen on Netflix is like crazy. And there's a moment later on in the books where one of the characters asks him like, oh, I could fix that for you. And he says, this is the part of me, don't fix it. And to read that just really resonated with me on a deep level. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait to see what you are going to do with your career. <laughs> you are so much going for you already. If I ever hear that you've given it up, I think I might have to drive up there and tell you yeah, what for, for sure. because... Be out of it. If I ever get enough, it's not me. It's my evil clone. <laughs> yeah. I think you've got a lot to say. Such a fantastic, healthy perspective. I think Thank that you. even the old hands could learn a little something from you. So do you have any parting remarks that you'd like to share with my audience before we say goodbye? Yeah, I think give us your wisdom, oh, Abby. <laughs> also, out of the wisdom box real quick. I think one of my biggest comforts in life is knowing that who I am is enough. That I don't have to be something I'm not to do things that mean something to people. And whatever you're struggling with, because we all have our own laundry list of something for me it's medical things for other people it might be mental health for other people it might be self-doubt it might be something entirely different whatever it is that doesn't necessarily have to define you or what you do one of the biggest realizations for me when I went to therapy in the beginning of high school was when I was talking myself in circles as you do, because sometimes as writers, we just need people to bounce th things off of. And for me, therapy was very much the same. I remember one day that we were talking about anxiety and my physical disabilities. And I don't know who I'd be without those things. I also realized that those things are part of me, but they're not all of me. And that there are parts of me that I have not found yet that will mean just as much to, to me as those things that I can't change and that everything that I do that I say that I create has worth and meaning to someone one of my favorite pieces of writing advice to my friends which is entirely unhelpful in the technical side of things but I think makes a big difference is whenever somebody comes to me saying I just don't know if this is good enough or I just don't know if I like this or how I'm going to do this just write it. So many authors don't have any idea who is going to resonate most with their stories, but their stories find the people that need them. 
So if you're worried about whether it's publishable or whether it's good enough or whether you're skilled enough or talented enough or qualified enough, just write it and it will show you itself. Your piece will show you itself in its most organic, true form. Don't try to make your story something it's not, but it will find the people it needs to find. And I believe that 100%. If nothing else, don't stop because the only way that you fail is if you stop writing. Um, I think there's a quote by Ray Bradbury that's something that I stick on my cork board at home. Um, write eye level. So whenever I look up when I'm having a rough moment, Ray Bradbury stares back at me and says, don't quit. <laughs> Michael Jordan might have said something along those lines as well. Yeah, I am just so excited to see what you will accomplish. And now I know who to go to if I need a little bit of that. You can do it. We'll just all come to Abby Peterson. <laughs> Thanks so much for visiting today and for sharing your wisdom and your confidence in what you are doing. That type of alignment when we are doing what we feel called to do and meant mm -hmm. to do, I think for me personally, that is a huge source of joy. I think that when we are doing that, we're more likely to influence other people for the good when we're doing what we are supposed to be doing and that yeah. you know that already in your young life is pretty phenomenal somebody's wondering <laughs> whopping 18 i've been an adult for almost nine months now it's weird do you have a lot of wisdom thank you for sharing that with us today abby and i'm definitely gonna have to have you back when you are published whichever road sure. that you end up being on because I'll be really curious to hear your perspective now that your first story is out there. We're close. Ooh. I'm working on my, my big edits are almost done. So right on. we're shipping it out to beta readers, which is terrifying. Nice. It works. <laughs> I wish you the very best in your career. And yeah. everyone, this was Abby Peterson. And if we were live, I'd be like, yeah, let's give her a round of applause and a big shout of, you can do it. But I'm pretty sure that Abby does not need us to tell her that because she already knows she can. I hope that we can all um, take a little bit from Abby's example and go out and grab ourselves some joy today. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>